just when I thought they were in, they pushed us back out. You're locked on Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and check us out on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for tuning in to today's show, despite the fact that we're coming to you after a Sabres loss to the Washington Capitals. Not a fun game to talk about. In fact, one of the more frustrating games of the season to talk about, but we will recap it for you here on the show. We'll let you know what happened around the Sabres in the standings. And also we've got an update on Devin Levi watch. So that's coming your way a little bit later on in today's show as well. Uh, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Uh, speaking of FanDuel, I've hit on one of our uh, one of our sneaky good bets of the night on Wednesday against the Capitals, stuck with JJ Paterka after I took him as an anytime goal scorer in Toronto. He came close, didn't quite get it. I went back with him two games in a row. Paterka gets the first goal of the game for Buffalo uh, in order to uh, give them the lead early on in the game. Um, sorry, second goal of the game. Labushkins came first. And we got that anytime goal at plus 490. So big hit in the game yesterday. But there wasn't much else great to talk about. At least not in the final couple of minutes of the game. Maybe in the middle, it felt like it was going well. The Sabres, I thought, played the best uh, hockey that they had played in a few games in the first two periods. Um, They had outshot the Capitals in the first two periods. They had more shot attempts than the Capitals in the first two periods and all seemed to be going pretty well. They led three to one and then they led four to two. That's more in the third period, but starting with the first 40 minutes, they led three to one and it felt like things were going well. There was one shift where they got hemmed in their own end for like three minutes and boom, they come right down and Tyson Joe scores a great goal. He goes, stops, throws on the brakes, cuts back to the middle, and he rips a wrist shot top corner over the shoulder of Charlie Lindgren. It felt like they had it. I can't believe they didn't close that game, and that is part of the reason why this team is very likely not to make the playoffs. Is Yeah, they score as much as anybody in hockey, but when they've got to close it out, they are not capable of doing it. The penalty kill is a disaster. When Washington has a minute-plus power play, at the end of the third period, there's a great chance, an, um, an incredible chance that they're going to tie the game because the Sabres penalty kill is terrible. It's second last in the NHL for a reason. Now, what is that reason? I think two things. One, they don't really have the personnel in terms of the penalty kill. They don't have a lot of good defensive forwards. Kyle Poso is one of their more responsible defensive forwards, and he wasn't really a penalty killer until the last couple of seasons in his NHL career. Jost is a penalty killer in his career and Gergensen's is, and that's pretty much it before this Jordan Greenway. Wasn't even a consistent penalty killer on his team. I guess on the blue line, Riley Stillman was, but their penalty kill is still 
really, really failing them. And the third period, it wasn't just that one penalty kill. It was the whole period. The Sabres were dominated in the third. Shot attempts at five on five in the third were 24 to 14 in favor of Washington. Um, A lot of turnovers in the Sabres' own end. A lot of scrambling. I thought they had it, though, with Don Granato. It was three to two. Ovechkin scored very early on in that third period. And then the next couple of shifts, all Washington. So Don Granato calls timeout. Settle the boys down. You know what? They're running around. They're they're on their heels. It looks like they're going to blow it. So Granato calls timeout. And you see him on the bench. He's fired up. He's giving him a speech, whatever he's saying. It looked like it worked because the Sabres came right out and they started playing a little bit better and they got the next goal. They got the next goal. Um, that was the... Uh, the Zemgis Gergensen's goal, the Peyton Krebs sets up. We'll talk about Krebs a little bit more coming up uh, when I get to my goat head of the night. They score that goal at the 522 mark of the first period, and they got 15 minutes to kill up two. They were minus 1,100 at one point at FanDuel to win that game. And, and excuse me, Kuznetsov had the uh, the earlier goal um, that I mentioned that it was Ovechkin. Ovechkin scored the, four, the third goal for Washington. So the Sabres... Got that goal, and it felt like okay, they they're back. They're not panicking anymore. And the Ovechkin goal, I mean, when there's ten minutes to go, it's like all right, this game is back on. And then okay, they get a power play. So let me talk about that for a second. Ovechkin gets called for a slashing penalty, and I don't believe he should have. Ilya Labushkin is taking a slap shot, and as he's taking the slap shot, Ovechkin touches the stick with his stick. But it was not a forceful slash in any way, shape, or form. I think it was a complete and utter coincidence that that stick broke upon Ovechkin touching it. Complete coincidence. But they call the penalty. Now, why is that a bad thing, you might ask? Well, now Washington's pissed. Ovechkin's pissed. The refs are under pressure. There's a loud ref you suck chant going throughout the crowd. And you know what? They caved to the pressure. Because there's a pretty ticky-tack roughing call by Alex Tuck. Yeah, he gets his arm up and yeah, probably should be roughing, but you don't call they don't call that penalty if they didn't just call the penalty on Ovechkin. And what that did then was present a situation where the Sabres are now going to be 4 on 4 and then you got a minute 12 on the power play for Washington after that. And because the Sabres are so bad on the penalty kill and Washington's going to pull their goalie to make it 6 on 4, you were creating a situation where you made it more likely for Washington to tie the game because of those two consecutive penalties. And I thought that was a terrible job by the officiating, at least in terms of what they typically do. If you want to do that consistently and call penalties late in games like that, I'm fine with that. I'd love it. I I would prefer it. But refs don't do that. They never do. If they called things consistently, they would call those penalties. But the referees are consistently inconsistent. They should have stuck to that, not called anything, and I think the Sabres would have won the game. I think the Sabres would have won the game had none of those penalties been called. So the refs, I think, let them down a little bit here. But, you know, the other thing here is Ukepekalukkanen lets in four goals. And he had some nice saves, but it's just automatic with this guy. Even when he has a pretty decent game, a great 40 minutes to start, just they end up with four. Some way, somehow, they're going to end up with four. It's very frustrating. We'll talk more about goaltending a little bit later on and Lukanen when we talk about our Devin Levi update from Elliott Friedman. So that's coming up a little bit later on.
here on today's show. But I got some, I want to give some, uh, some optimism your way coming up next when I give out the goat head of the night for the, uh, the Sabres loss to the Washington Capitals. I felt really, really good about one player uh, in this game. So that's coming up here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. We are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the midway point of the NBA season, and we are rolling closer to NHL playoffs and, of course, college basketball in full swing. It's the perfect time to fan to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. It's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Sneaky Joe DiBiase back here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. The Sabres fall 5-4 to four to the Washington Capitals. A big game in the standings. Before I give away our goat head of the night, I do want to share with you uh, where the Sabres are now in the standings after a win by the New York Islanders over the Anaheim Ducks on Wednesday night. 6-3 to three in favor of New York. The Islanders are now six points ahead of the Sabres. Buffalo has three games in hand on the Islanders. So still sticking with that. If they win all their games in hand, they could tie them. And then if they win the game in hand, they would go ahead of them in the standings. But the Sabres have now been leapfrogged by Washington. Washington now at 73 points. The Sabres 72. Yes, Buffalo does, though, have two games in hand. They really need the Islanders to slow down, though, or they're going to be they're going to be out of this very quickly. Uh, so that's a little look at the hunt, which is getting a little bit shorter and shorter of a segment every time we talk about it, because the standings are getting less and less interesting as it, excuse me, as the season goes along here. All right. Goathead of the night goes to Peyton Krebs. This best Sabre player on the night, I thought, was Peyton Krebs. And actually, he did get the third star of the game. TJ Oshie was star number two. Alex Ovechkin was star number one. And Peyton Krebs was star number three. He had the second highest expected goals for percentage in this game. He had a 78.5%. Kyle Poso actually was an 87.2%. That line, though, was the Sabres' best line. Gerges, it's Krebs and Oposo. And Krebs... The only Sabre on the night with multiple points. He had two assists, which brings him up to 22 points on the season. Again, I mentioned the expected goals for rate. The shot attempts were when this, when Krebs was on the ice at, at even strength. 12 for the Sabres, 8 for Washington. Scoring chances when Krebs was on the ice. 5 for Buffalo, 1 for Washington. He was great. Yeah, he got destroyed on that one hit. But you know what? He kind of used that hit to his advantage the next time a defenseman tried to line him up. Because after Nick Jensen destroyed him into the boards, the very same play was happening in front of our eyes. And I thought Krebs was going to get wrecked again. Instead, he makes a quick little right-to-left swim move, almost like a pass rusher in football. He goes around the Capitals defenseman. He goes behind the net. And this is where he goes backhand sauce right into the slot. And Gergensen's rips it home for the four to two goal, which I thought was the dagger at that point and time. It was a great assist by Krebs. He is a great playmaker. He had two really nice ones on this game. And you know what? The season total, not that high, 22 points. He's only on pace for 31 points, but you know what? 
I think Peyton Krebs has proven a lot this season. And even though he has not yet proven he can put up the offensive numbers, and that's where we all thought his value was going to reside, he's still, I think, earning the future role of this team's third-line center, even over Casey Middlestat. I think Middlestat might be more bound for the wing as time goes on here, maybe even in the top six. But Krebs has developed into potentially their most reliable two-way center, even more so than Dylan Cousins. He is very strong in his own end. He, I think, has learned a lot about the style of his game and how to be defensively responsible by playing the most minutes this year with Zemgus Gergensens and Kyle Oposo. So going forward, as a shutdown type of center, it, it might feel weird because he's so small, but I think he right now projects to be this team's third-line center, and I'm down for that. You know, hopefully there's an offensive uptick coming someday and he'll become a 50-point player instead of a 30-point player, even if it means only 10 goals and 40 assists because I don't think he's ever going to be that much of a goal scorer, but he's a really good playmaker, quick hands, fast, and a good hockey IQ. And, you know, the guy runs around, he runs his mouth a little bit, he's a little bit of a rat, which, you know, you could every team could use one of those. So I've been impressed by Krebs. His expected goals for number has gone up. Last year, it was at 38%. This year, it's at 45%. That's a huge difference. That's 7%. So, very impressed by Krebs. I think he's going to be one of the better bottom six players in this team going forward. Um, and, you know, that is a different role than I ever I thought he would have. Um, but, you know what? It's, you have to take it, right? Because there's not a lot of room in that top six. And they're going to need guys to kind of morph their game a little bit. And Krebs is maybe the first uh, to do so. And I thought the game against the Capitals was highlighting all of the skill he has, uh, the, the tenacity that he has. I just thought every element of his game was on display. Really strong in his own end, you know, keeping plays alive in the offensive end, make, making stuff happen as a playmaker. Um, yeah, good job. A good job by Krebs. And you know what? I, I've liked him with Gergensen and Oposo, but part of the reason why I think his point total is so low, he's only got 14 assists on the season. I think part of the reason he's only got 14 assists on the season is he plays with two guys that don't score a lot of goals. And there are plays there that he makes that if he's passing them to Victor Olofsson instead, or he's passing them to Yuri Kulich in the future, or Matthew Savoy, or Jack Quinn, I, I think more of those goals are being scored. And instead of 22 points, maybe we're looking at he's at 30 points and on pace for 45 instead of 31. So you know, we'll see how his role develops and how the the, the line mates he has develops uh, as he goes forward. But very impressed by Peyton Krebs against the Capitals. When we come back to wrap things up, we've got a quote from Elliot Friedman on how it's going with Devin Levi. An update on Levi Watch when we return here on the Lockdown Savers podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? Got to try Built Bar. We got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste. I got the thing for you. You got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty. They are so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your new year's resolution. Uh, if you can still have one here in uh, March 16th, what makes built bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around to get a bar, a, a box of built bars for years. I've been telling you to go to built.com to get your built bars, but now hit up your local Walmart 
or Sam's Club. You get a four-bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate at Walmart, or you can get a 13-bar box of brownie batter or coconut puff at Sam's Club. You can thank me later. Check them out, Sam's Club, Walmart, and Built.com. Final segment here in the Locked On Sabres podcast. We have an update on Devin Levi for you, the Northeastern goaltender who has seen who saw his season come to an end uh, this past week. He's eligible to sign at any moment. Some of his teammates are starting to sign. There was a defenseman from Northeastern that signed with the Montreal Canadiens this week. So Levi is free to sign. And we have an update from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman in his 32 Thoughts uh, article from Thursday morning. He says, quote, Make no mistake, the Sabres have made it very clear they want to sign him, Levi, in the organization right away. They weren't thrilled by reports they were interested in adding a goalie prior to the trade deadline because they've made it clear to Levi and his advisors there would be a legit route to the NHL if he showed he was ready. Okay, let me stop right there. That is a troubling quote, if you ask me. And whether or not it's true... I don't know. Chad Dedeman assist from expected Buffalo has reason to believe that it's, that's not really how it's not a fair representation of how things are going, but let's, let's entertain the thought that it is true for a moment. Quote, they weren't thrilled by reports. They were interested in adding a goalie prior to the trade deadline because they made it clear to Levi and his advisors. There would be a legit route to the NHL. If he showed he was ready. What that sounds like is the Sabres in order to get Levi to sign, which all this sounds like, they're not sure he's going to sign. That's the, my first worry. My first, you know, sign of worry that that's even possible. The Sabres have to sales pitch this guy that, hey, you should come sign here and not go back to Northeastern for two more years. A legit route to the NHL if he showed he was ready. And not wanting to block him with acquiring a goaltender because you're trying to make the playoffs. What is the goal here? Is the goal just to appeal to the will of Devin Levi? Apparently it is. And it's not trying to make the playoffs. I I, I get it, right? Like, you don't want to lose the guy. And you're about to lose, or you were about to lose Eric Portillo and had to trade him for a third-round pick. The Sabres lost Cal Peterson a couple of years ago. I get it. It happens. But you can't let Devin Levi dictate what you're going to do in net because you're afraid he's not going to sign with you for the next two years. I, I, man, you know what? That's fine. If they want to yield to Devin Levi, I'm not even saying that's the wrong thing to do, but you can't do it in exchange for giving up on the idea of improving in net right away. So I might have a compromise on that front. If they want to make sure, like, because Levi, it sounds like what what Levi thinks is he should go right to the NHL. Let me give you the rest of that quote, actually, before I keep going. Friedman says, quote, we'll see where this goes on Thursday. Levi's thinking it over, and he's shown he's not afraid to consider non-traditional pathways, but he's clearly ready for professional hockey, and the Sabres have swiped right for his t- for this Tinder date. Okay. Levi is thinking it over, and he's shown he's not afraid to consider non-traditional pathways. What does non-traditional pathways mean? Because... What I know that doesn't mean is Rochester. Non-traditional pathways means anything but Rochester, whether that's right to the NHL, whether that's Europe. Could he sign with Europe? I don't know how that works. I don't. Could he sign in, in Switzerland? Could he sign in Sweden, Finland? I think he could. 
I don't know what the rules are on that, but I think he could. I'm pretty sure he could. So is that what he wants to do? I don't know. But what it sounds like to me there, and before that with the worry they're going to trade for a guy, is Devin Levi, this is a complete guess, but just reading the tea leaves, he has no interest in playing for the Rochester Americans. None. That he is either going to play, go back to Northeastern, he's going to play in Europe, or he's going to play for the Sabres. Those are his three options. That, to me, is what it sounds like on this front. So what do you do then? If you're Kevin Adams and that's what he's thinking, if that is what he's thinking, what do you do? Well, I wouldn't stop myself from trading for an upgrade in goal. And that could mean Thatcher Demko, who we've talked about a lot. That could mean Vegmelka from Arizona. That could mean trading for somebody else I don't know that's going to be available in the offseason. But that would also entail letting Levi show right up and play in the NHL. I'm not against that, even if he's not quite ready. You know what? If it, In order to get him signed, if he wants to be in the NHL and he wants to play 25, 30 games, fine. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him dictate that. But if you're going to let him dictate that because you want to make sure he gets signed and you don't lose him, you've got to trade Ukapeka Lukanen. You have to. Because then, if you're going to commit, you're going to go all in on Levi being in the NHL next year. You need something more solid next to him. Thousand percent. You need to have a partner with Levi that is more solid than Ukapeka Lukanen. I like Lukanen's athletic profile. I like the talent level. And I think there's a very good chance he'll be a really good NHL goaltender in the NHL. And it's just too early for him because for a lot of guys, most goaltenders, 95% of goaltenders, 23 years old is too young. You don't know what the guy is yet. It's not, he's not ready to be in the NHL. 24, 25, 26 for a lot of guys is the right age, the right entry point. That could be Lukanen. And I don't, if I'm the Sabres and I know Devin Levi is going to make an NHL or bust for me, I can't risk two young goalies like that on a team that is ready to push for the playoffs. I need something more solid. You could trade Lukanen for that goaltender if you want. Flip your goalie pool. Flip your goalie talent. You know, move on from the young athletic guy to a rebuilding team like Demko in Vancouver for a more reliable veteran. That's the idea. So I'm not against Devin Levi dictating his terms and saying, I want to be in the NHL. I get it. If I were him, I'd do the same thing. But if I'm the Sabres, I just can't let it happen that Lukanen and Levi are my two goaltenders. I cannot run from a goalie upgrade in the name of Devin Levi. I need to find a workaround. That's that's the synopsis for me. All right. Next up, Philadelphia, the Sabres, and a must-win against a bad Flyers team. Almost everything's a must-win, though, at this point, isn't it? So that's what's next. We'll preview that game on tomorrow's show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy college basketball season um, if you're trying to get away from hockey for a night. But if you are, just check back in with the hunt for a second. Uh, if you are tracking teams around the Sabres, the games that matter the most on Thursday night, the Panthers hosting Montreal, go Montreal. Ottawa is hosting Colorado. Go Avalanche. Those are the two games that you should be uh, 
watching uh, most intently. All right, thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. Now go make Locked On Game to Game your next listen. Uh, Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.